Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. So excited to have you here right now. We've got an awesome interview today where Gray is talking to Ethan Griffin from Groove down in Baltimore, Maryland. It's a fantastic conversation that centers a lot around e-commerce and how HubSpot can be applied to the e-commerce environment. A lot of conversation happening about that right now. And Ethan and the crew down at Groove are doing some really, really cool things. So that also points the conversation towards agencies building things. Going back to episode 10 where Gray and I talked about the process of building do inbound. So there are some similarities in this episode. So if you are an agency that has any clients who are engaged in the e-commerce space, you're going to learn a lot from Ethan and you're also going to learn a lot if you're an agency who's considering creating some sort of a product or software to diversify your income stream as an agency. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. All right, everybody, welcome. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie, and this week I'm excited to be interviewing Ethan Giffen from Groove Commerce. Um, Groove is a Baltimore-based agency, uh, HubSpot partner, very accomplished, and um, very excited to have Ethan on to dive into what their agency has learned, what he's learned, and the story behind Groove. Ethan, how you doing? I'm great. I'm excited to be here today, and um, I'm especially funky today because I saw Prince in concert last night, so uh, you, you get a little bit of extra funk along with, uh, with, with the interview. Wow. How about that? Was that in Baltimore? <laughs> it was in Baltimore. It was, it was a great time. I guess I haven't been keeping up on uh, Prince's road trip lately to know exactly yeah. where he's going to be, but that's awesome. Nice. Um, Ethan, well, let's, uh, let's get started. Just Do you want to give us the background on where Groove came from? Yeah, so uh, Groove is a uh, full-service agency based in Baltimore. Uh, we just celebrated our eighth birthday, um, and we have you know just under 50 folks here, so... Um, been along with HubSpot on that journey since around 2012, and um, things have been pretty exciting for us ever since then. That's great. And I know that you guys have a um, a really sweet-looking office, um, and some of the guys from your team were telling me about um, just the cool parts of the office. But what prompted that um, that space, and do you want to describe that for people? Yeah, so um, we uh, in Baltimore we love to do things with old buildings. So Baltimore is a you know was a pretty industrial manufacturing town, and there's lots of the lots of amazing brick buildings here. So we took a 200 year old building that started out as a iron foundry and then morphed into a streetcar garage uh, for Baltimore streetcar system. And then in the mid-50s, it became a heavy equipment garage. So they worked on dump trucks and, and, and big trucks here. And um, we took it down to the brick and the dirt and rebuilt it um, using all of the, you know, as much reclaimed material and as much new technology as we could stuff in the space. So we've got about 14,000 square feet of just uh, really neat office space that people fall in love with. Uh, both staff and clients fall in love with when they when they get here. It's killer. I'm going to link up the um, – I'm going to put a link. You have a link, a page on the website with photos of the space. I'm going to link that up in the show notes for sure, which will be at doinbound.com slash podcast. Um, in that space, 
and kind of around that question, do you have a lot of local clients who actually come in to meet with you, or are you doing? Is it kind of a split between local and folks all over the place? Well, it's interesting. Um, at one point, literally like ninety five percent of all of our clients were outside of the Baltimore Washington region. So, um, virtually no one came to the office um, um, unless they were flying in to see us for a specific reason. We've started to see that kind of shift a little bit. Now we're about um, probably somewhere between. 20, 25% local and um, 75, 80% um, outside of the region. Um, a lot of the local, the growth on the local side has come because of the office, right? We've, we've built a space here where um, we can host events. We host, um, we, we really have a kick-ass hug meeting here where, you know, we get anywhere between, you know, 40 and 100 people for a hug meeting. So, um, you know, we try to get people into the space to see it and through the virtue of, of us um, inviting folks in and some of the press we've got along the way, um, that's led to our, our growth of local clients. Wow, that's great. I know that one of the industries that, or uh, kind of niches that you guys have is the e-commerce space. Um, what has like what kind of led you into was your background in e-commerce prior to starting Groove, or has that come with the with the agency? Yeah, so it it actually came with the agency. So when I was starting out, um, I actually um, thought that um, we were going to build um, basically real quick. $5,000 websites for folks on e-commerce and my how that's shifted and evolved over the last eight years. But what we do is um, we, like our, our the roots of it started because I was introduced to someone that started selling a million dollars online with a shopping cart by accident. And uh, they were introduced to me through um, an executive at, at, at my previous job and said, hey, can you help my golf buddy out? And he's selling a million dollars online and just doesn't know how it happened, which is pretty interesting. And you, and you come across those, those stories all the time in, in, this, in this business. So I started helping him. And one of the things, like I am like feverish about conversion rate. So like, and with e-commerce, like it's almost like you can kind of feed my inner beast in terms of like when you make changes to something, like you can see an almost immediate impact in terms of the revenue that's generated. And um, in my previous career, um, working on the client side, like I had a job where there was all these dotted lines to the revenue, right? And you couldn't really exactly prove it, but we knew that business was growing based upon those activities. But we still didn't get the credit for what we did. And I knew that with e-commerce, right, it's, you know, it's click, add to cart, pay. And you're able to really like see that revenue growth like almost immediately if you're able to go in and fix somebody's checkout page and make it and 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 create less friction there for them to go through the process. So um really um that was that's where it, that's where it started and um as as I was growing the agency I really thought that we should have kind of a niche or a focus uh and you know it became all about e-commerce. So um, I always thought of e-commerce in two ways. Um, I thought about e-commerce as anybody that wanted to use their website to drive business. So 
we thought of of lead generation also as e-commerce, right? You're expressing that interest, but the you know because of a, the certain size or type of 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 service it is, you know, you've got to close that deal offline. So we always focused on lead gen and shopping carts, um, like from the beginning. But most people kind of mistakenly thought we always. Uh, we always just did shopping carts. So that's why we actually dropped commerce out of our name about a year ago. And um, because we didn't want to be like just the shopping cart people. Gotcha. Okay. So that's an interesting path. Now with that first client that you had on board, would, did you wind up doing a website redesign, rebuilding the shopping cart or what did it start with uh, CRO? Um, yeah. You know, they, it actually ended up, we, we, actually worked with them for about five years and um for reasons not due to us we're not engaged with them anymore but um we we worked through the process of starting with them on a homegrown shopping cart platform that somebody built for them um teaching them how much of a disaster that was um put them on a new cart and then we probably went through like three or four different iterations of the website, and then we were refining things constantly in terms of homepage, product page, category page, cart page, you know, checkout page. So um, we were we were constantly working on that stuff. Right, that makes sense. So is the and what are the major platforms that you guys use for e-commerce? So typically uh, we're we're using Magento. Um, we, uh, we, a majority, we do a lot of Magento enterprise work. Um, we also do, um, a lot with big commerce, uh, and there, that's a very interesting platform that, uh, that you're going to see a lot happening with in the next 12 months. And then we do some stuff with Shopify as well. And they have a, a Shopify plus version for larger, um, customers that need more support and more, um, features and bandwidth. And so, um, we'll, we'll engage with that. Gotcha. Ethan, do you have, so someone comes to you and they want an e-commerce website or they, they need a redesign. What, um, is it like the default is Magento or are there, um, certain requirements that they have that you say, okay, this is better for, um, big commerce or Shopify versus Magento. How do you tell people or make the recommendation on platform for people? Uh, typically, you know, we have a handful of questions that we ask them. Um, and if, if, if they only need very specific things, it could be a great fit for a SaaS platform like big commerce. Uh, so, um, or else if they need heavy customization, um, and heavy integration, then we might go the Magento route. Um, and we're seeing kind of the SaaS side of things evolving a lot. So that, you know, I think, um, I think that like we have people that literally just aren't using the full power of a Magento and it's a lot less technical debt and a lot easier, you know, for them long term on a on a SaaS on a SaaS platform like like BigCommerce. That said, we've done, you know, huge Magento projects that that have taken a year to to build and and you know have have processed you know millions in revenue right got it let's talk about um maybe a specific project or retainer relationship that you've worked on lately but just some this is kind of your opportunity to brag on your team and your capabilities what's a recent client win that you guys have had yeah i mean we've 
I was really trying to think about that. And, you know, I, I try to hold people like I want wins every week. Right. Like it's how how are we going to maximize what we're what we're doing? Um, you know, we've been doing a lot. We've built an app um, that integrates e-commerce platforms with uh, with HubSpot called HubShoply. And um, we were using that with a client, Perlis, and they've gotten a ton of wins out of out of the automated workflows and driven you know pretty significant revenue out of things like setting up things like abandoned cart emails and win back campaigns for people that haven't bought in in six months. So um, you know their their revenue is is way up. Their their contacts and visits are up. Um, it's uh, it's 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 been an exciting uh, exciting project to work on. Great. That's awesome. Could you describe for people listening what Hubshoply does? Yeah. So what um, what Hubshoply does is it connects uh, BigCommerce, Shopify, and Magento with HubSpot. So you may say, well, that's easy. I can use like Zapier or another tool. Well, the piece that you're missing with that is, you know, you're missing the conversions. So what we did was we built this tool called Hubshoply that installs as an app um, on BigCommerce and Shopify or as an extension on Magento, and it syncs the HubSpot cookie with the users um, with the user ID on that platform, and then it keeps all of the data in sync and it tracks conversion events. So when somebody adds something to their cart, when they check out, when they abandon their cart, um, and then we calculate a whole bunch of things like lifetime revenue, average order value, um, and and stuff all of that information and keep it um, synced with HubSpot. And um, you can have multiple e-commerce sites going into one HubSpot portal, and all that data just flow, starts flowing in. So, for instance, if you install install this on the big commerce or Shopify platform, you can go into their app stores and then it will actually resync all of the previous orders and customer information um, that happened prior to installing HubShoply. And then going forward, um, it it tracks the, the HubSpot cookie ID and allows you to really fine tune and see from your uh, sources report where you're converting. Right. Wow. That's awesome. And I, I know as I was reading through the details on this, when I saw it come out, when did it come out? Like two months ago? Well, we've been actually kind of betaing it for almost a year. And we, we launched, um, we launched, um, right after inbound of last year. So, oh, okay. um, we, we put people, um, we had our own clients using it, um, late summer, early fall, and then we started with the beta program in October and November. And so um, we've actually will probably by the time this, this podcast comes out will be a featured integration for both big commerce and Shopify through HubSpot. We've gone through those programs and now we're working on um, fine tuning the Magento version of what we're doing. And we may go to other platforms as we see um, a need or um, a, a potential client base there. 
Right. Wow. That's awesome. We'll definitely include the link to that. Um, I had a conversation with somebody about uh, Shopify Help Spot Integration the other week and said, hey, I know that Groove built this thing. Well, it's really it's really cool because you know we're getting a lot of other partners, HubSpot partners, using it, and um, you know we don't we, you know we don't have to be involved in any of it, right? Like it's a one click install that um, you know and, uh, partners can walk their clients through, and then um, you know it makes it very very easy for people to to take it to the next level. Yeah, that's awesome. Now is. Is that something where is there like a part of you and maybe it's uh, this is obviously a tool that benefits the agency. So it's not necessarily a shift in direction. But um, is there a part of you that wants to go more towards the building apps, kind of selling the either SaaS or product side of things? Um, Or is the primary thing still the agency? Is that the long term vision to run with the agency and then have these add ons on the side? Yeah, I mean, I think that having the add ons on the side um, are something that allows us to differentiate ourselves, and and really like um, people people get excited about seeing those things. Um, so you know, we, we want to we want to add in um, training, and we have these apps. Um, you know, so we uh, we, we are um, just trying to kind of dip our toe in the water, and 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 see what works. Yep. Um, you know, the hub shopping piece was a tremendous investment from our side. We haven't kind of gotten that back yet, but um, I think that you know, I think by the end of this year, you know, um, our goal is to have you know a hundred or one hundred and fifty people using it, and um, that will be. Um, you know, we'll, at that point, we'll start to 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 get real excited about about what's being returned. Right, right. That's great. I love that model, and it definitely is a differentiator. When you say uh, someone wants e-commerce, say we also built the integration, and there are other agencies, other folks who are using our integration. Uh, that definitely sets you apart from the pack. So I like that approach. In terms of something, Ethan, that um, you guys are going through the growth pains and the learning curve right now, what's something that's maybe a struggle, something that's on the list to improve on with Groove right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're working to improve our process. Um, you know, we, um, we, we tend to be very forward-thinking um, with things. Um, probably if, if, if I would look at, like, the things, if I was going to Monday morning quarterback – Things I would say that we we are just now implementing a uh, a firm software to kind of help better operate what we're doing, uh, and uh, you know I wish I would have done that like three years ago, like based upon um, um, based upon what I'm seeing from that. So um, you know, seeing how being able to plan your resources and seeing where they're putting their time. Um, we had done that, but we kind of used, you know, um, disparate systems like we had Harvest and then we had Basecamp and then we had all, you know, we had all of these different things. And so pulling all that together um, is is the biggest thing that we're, that we're focused on now. Like the next component is how do I continue to like push people to learn and be innovative? So, you know, figuring out how we're going to train people um 
you know, as as my role evolves in the organization, um, it's funny. I'm actually coming back in at the bottom and spending a lot of time um, because there's staff now that's that are more than an arm's length away from me. Like I'm I'm back in like working with them at the bottom of the of the work chart doing a lot of office hours and mentoring and those types of things. The next step with that is I'd like to figure out how to better document some of the things that we're doing and create some type of um, learning management system to be able to, to train people and have, have a video library um, for them to, uh, to start with. Yeah, that makes sense. How do you, um, right now, who's responsible for documenting the processes? Is it the people doing the work, or is there somebody separate at the at the company doing that? Uh, right now, it's it's the people doing the work. So as we're kind of um, I'm pushing people to when they say, "Oh, that that's cool," or you know, like really, like what is the baseline kind of recipes that we put into a HubSpot implementation? Right? What are the baseline e-commerce recipes that we that we use? So. Being able to to document all of those types of things and change that as 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 um, visitors' behaviors changes um, is so. I'm trying to get people to take note of those things as we're doing them um, to to start to to document that better. Great, it's such a simple thing, but it's so challenging. Like it, it really doesn't take that long to just go in and write down what you just got done doing. But it's one more step, and it's hard to get people to get over that hurdle to go actually document it, especially without a system. Yeah. So, I've struggled myself of how do I – like what's the best method for giving this information to people? And you know, should I sit down and do a screencast or you know, like what's, what's the best approach? So we're kind of trying a ton of different things right now. Okay. Anything leading the pack in terms of what's the best way to document no, those? Nothing. Nothing's really leading the pack yet, but um, yeah, you know, like we'll see. We'll see for sure. And then to throw complication on top of that, and obviously this everything gets complicated with more people. But with fifty different people, you have some folks who I'm sure learn better visually. Some people who prefer to to read text. I know at Guava Box, I really like to be able to. Uh, review text documents to see stuff because I like to skim through um, and get it quickly. And Andrew really likes to watch tutorial videos. And we've talked about how that kind of, um, you know, gives us an inherent, an inherent bias towards one type of documentation or the other. Um, so it's hard to figure out what's going to work, not just for my preferences, but for the team as well. So, yeah. Yep. Ethan, do you have any tools? Um, that's something that a lot of people are asking about. And we've talked some about the platforms, but any tools that you use that change your day-to-day life and you think other agencies would benefit from knowing about? Well, like kind of like my favorite new like little thing that we're using outside of HubShopley, of course, is uh, GoChime. So I don't know if you've seen that at all. But what it does is it syncs, uh, it syncs HubSpot with Facebook custom audiences. So you're able to basically create smart lists in – in HubSpot and push that over into Facebook and create paid Facebook ads that only get served to people that are on that smart list. So the opportunities there are like endless. You can um, basically uh, serve an ad to somebody that didn't open an email. Um, You could serve an ad to people that haven't been to your website in six months or more. 
you can serve and add to people that are the opportunity are, are at the opportunity stage in um, in in HubSpot, um, and it it really uh, makes it like whole next level type stuff. So uh, it's GoChime.com, and um, like for us, we're we're trying to think about how do we. You know, it's the hub and the spoke, right? Like, what are what are the spokes that we need to go after people? And figuring out how to export CSVs of, of people's emails out of HubSpot and then upload it into Facebook and keep it, like, synced is, is just so hard. But to have an app that basically connects those two platforms and allows you to create ads um, is 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 pretty cool stuff so for example we're running ads we track and um on our contacts we um we use some different tools to to track technology that people use on their website and so we know if somebody's using magento or big commerce or shopify we know if somebody's using hubspot or if they have wordpress so our ability to create very targeted ads for somebody that's on magento um is like we can we can put a specific ebook offer in front of them and we've done really well with that. Wow, that's something I uh so I'm a little bit familiar with GoChime but haven't used them, but I haven't heard and that's a brilliant idea to figure out what technology they're already using. What's the process for doing it? So, do you have like a cuz what I'm envisioning right away is do you have like a custom contact property picked out in order to create that smart list that then you'll feed over? What's the process look like to say, this is my list of Magento users? Yeah, so um, we actually use another tool called Datanize to, to automatically pull in what website technology they're using. And then we create smart lists that, that are fired off of that. So um, we have, you know, we've put people on a on a WordPress list or a Magento list or a big commerce list or a Shopify list. And then we actually have a list for, for technologies that we know are waning, right? So we have a Yahoo stores list, right? We have an Amazon, uh, pro stores list, right? Because they're, they're sunsetting that product, right? So those are people that are prime for us to go after to say, you know, they're on an older platform that people are getting off of and not going on to. So, um, you know, then we we create a smart list based upon that contact property, and then um, then that smart list we then sync in GoChime, and then they you know they they keep that synced like every few hours I believe, uh, and update it. And as people fall off of it off of the list, they fall out of the custom audience. Whereas people go onto the list, they they get engaged there. So. You know, we're seeing, you know, like 30 to 40 percent from a B2B standpoint. Like just because you have somebody's email address doesn't mean that they use that email to create their Facebook account. So we're seeing about a 30 to 40 percent identification rate um, for B2B and B2C is significantly higher. So um, let's say if you're on the e-commerce side. Now you need a certain amount of people on the list, so your 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 contacts and your site has to have a certain amount of volume. But like, let's say that if you had um, 300 people on the B to C side that have abandoned their shopping cart, you could actually serve them. Um, once you create a smart list for that, you could actually serve them a very aggressive ad in Facebook, 
that once they fall off the abandoned cart list, they don't get that ad anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you need some volume to be able to have, um, I think the minimum smart list size that they can sync is 50 contacts. So, you know, you need to have some volume to be able to, um, on your list to be able to go after that. But like people spend so much time on Facebook and I know they're expanding the platform to Twitter and eventually LinkedIn that it's just going to be like, um, really, really cool once that happens. Yeah. That's a gold mine. Wow. I love that idea and the way that you guys have that set up right now. Um, man, that's a really good idea. So I, and I wasn't familiar with data nice. Um, are you using that at all for clients or is that a hundred percent internal at this point? No, I mean, we're using it. Like we have some clients that are B2B in the technology space that, um, we, we use the, those tools for as well. Okay. Great. You know, um, so like, uh, we have clients that target sp- people on specific platforms for specific services, and um, you know that um, that's something that we um, that we leverage with mm-hmm. that. I like that. Let's uh, let's switch gears here a little bit and talk about just an average morning for you. Um, what does the first I don't know hour, two hours? What's the morning routine that you go through um, that contributes to a successful day for you? Yeah, I mean. Um, the biggest change, like I, I started to make a shift as the, as the agency has grown, um, you know, the, the biggest, the, the biggest shift is I need to give myself time to think about things and to, and to stay like forward. And that was something that I felt like as we were, as we had significant growth that like I lost a little bit, um, like, for a while so i was just so like in the business and not working on the business right so typically my morning is spent um reading um and catching up on email um putting together like notes in evernote reviewing client accounts um i happen to actually live directly across the street from the office so uh that was a move i made last um last summer and so many times I'll kind of work to myself um, until nine thirty, nine nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning, and then and then come over to the office. So I also tend to stay later in the evening um, as well. So I'm not, I'm not like a you know an, an early early riser. Um, <laughs> so um, so yeah, I, I typically start out like um, with a little squawk box on CNBC while I'm catching up on what's going on in the, uh, in the marketing world. I like it. That's awesome. It's uh super convenient to be close to the office too. I live about five minutes away from the office and I, uh, I just love the opportunity to bike in, hike in, whatever. Um, so that's convenient for sure. I, I just leave CNBC on all day because I want people to think I'm smarter than, than I am. <laughs> I actually, and it's perfect for my ADD because, like, you've got, like, sliders going, like, six different ways. Yep. And people are like, you know, is the market up or down today? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> like, they, it gives the perception that I, you know, that I know what I'm, know what I'm doing. I love it. So. That's awesome. Hey, here's a, a random question before we wrap up here. Um, Laxworld is a client of yours, right? Correct. Yeah. And how, uh, how long have you guys been working with them? Um, probably five or six years um, awesome. in, in different capacities. Yeah. So, 
um, it, it was cool. Um, they recently were acquired, but it, it was neat because as a, as a kid, um, that's where I got my lacrosse equipment. So um, it was it was kind of cool to to have. Um, uh, and the, the former owner actually played midfield and um, in the NCAA championships, like back in the like seventies um, for lacrosse with my former high school lacrosse coach. So oh, wow. it was a fun. Uh, it, it's been a fun project to work on that's awesome i uh i saw that i got all excited both andrew and i played um we were teammates in college at grove city what what high school did you play at uh i played at north hagerstown so i grew up in hagerstown in western maryland yep. um i actually didn't pick a stick up till i was a sophomore they didn't start lacrosse out in western maryland like until like it was basically kind of like a ragtag um club team okay and, um you know so i started playing as a sophomore and it's uh now they've got like little kids leagues out there it's amazing so my 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 younger brother um started you know when he playing in middle school when we were all in high school so he his skill set is tremendously better and he actually uh, was a was a high school coach for a long time but um it's neat to see the growth of the sport uh, and uh people are nuts about it all over the place yeah it's just exploding i was watching a couple games over the weekend, I got to see a little bit of the Hopkins Virginia game, and we're in the middle as uh, as we're recording this right now in May. We're in the middle of the NCAA tournament, so yeah, fun stuff. Well, thanks for joining us on Inbound Agency Journey, Ethan. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you? Um, like follow me on Twitter at Opie O P I E, um, or they can um, email me Ethan at GotGroove dot com. Um, but like, like follow me on Twitter. Um, you never know what you're going to get. Um, it's, uh, uh, but I, I tend to have a very kind of, uh, it's a mix of marketing plus like, like, uh, business stuff plus just my random thoughts on what's happening in the world, which sometimes gets me in trouble, but like, I'm okay with that. Hey, it's a good combo. You gotta have some personality. What's the, why Opie? Um, cause um, I had I grew up with very very red hair. It's it's shifted a little bit as I as I've as I've turned forty and gotten um, a little bit more kind of blondish. But um, people used to call me that when I was little, and I hated it. And then, um, fun fact: I was um, um, a DJ in the nineties and would play in big nightclubs. And this guy that I really respected and taught me a lot about the business was like, "You look like an Opie." He's like that should be your 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 name, and it's stuck. And I always hated it until that day. And um, so I was an early um, early Twitter user. Um, I think like in the first hundred thousand, under the first hundred thousand, and um, people all the time. That guy Opie, um, the radio DJ in New York, they always want me to give him my twitter handle and i'm like no <laughs> dice buddy no dice not happening that's an awesome story you are fun fact you're the second guest on the podcast who shared that they were a dj at one point in life josh harkis from hufi um mentioned that so funny, funny oh cool connections so. yeah i actually do it a couple times a year we typically have like a big office summer party that i will de- dance party that i will dj and then i'll do it a couple times a year for like benefit type things and uh, just to stay, just to stay current. That's great. Well, we get to start the interview with news on Prince, 
and end with your DJ history. So that's <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Well, we will include the information, contact you, the resources you mentioned, and everything in the show notes. And we'll talk to you soon, Ethan. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Gray. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. Now, back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to recap Gray's conversation with Ethan right now. So Gray, do you want to kick us off with a couple of takeaways you had from your conversation? Sure thing. Ethan, a couple of things that stuck out to me from that interview and that I went and did a little bit further research on were kind of down in the in the details. His tools that he shared with GoChime and Datanize and how they're using GoChime to sync their HubSpot contacts lists and database with their Facebook custom audiences for targeting based on HubSpot activity. I thought that was very interesting and something that we have not dug into yet at Guava Box and something that I want to look deeper at. And then taking that, they took it like another level down with Datanize where they're targeting people using Facebook ads based on the technologies that they're currently using on their website. And I thought that that was something that, especially for someone who does a ton of e-commerce web design and inbound marketing for e-commerce companies, uh, it's a really shrewd move on their end. Anything from um, from kind of those tools that he's using and how they're using them stick out to you, Andrew? Yeah, it reminded me of the interview that we had with John McTighe a few episodes back where he talked about the campaign that they built out where it was an ebook and then blog posts off of that ebook that shared a similar theme, all targeting the same persona. And then folks that viewed the blog or people who fit the persona type, they were running LinkedIn ads for them. And I think as inbound agencies, we can use paid channels and a lot of folks are doing it. I, I say this from a, a bit of inexperience just because like you said, we haven't done it yet, but you can run a lot of paid options on social platforms based on activity folks take. So GoChime got me really excited because we could create a campaign, say for inbound agency journey here. And if anyone downloads an offer for it, but doesn't, you know, doesn't schedule a demo or doesn't want to check out something more about do inbound, we can show them an ad for do inbound or show them an ad for an upcoming webinar that we might be running, something like that. To be able to mix paid channels into your ongoing inbound campaigns in an effort to a get more leads on top of the funnel, but using GoChime, using that tool to nurture folks down and pull them through the buyer's journey once they're already in your funnel and you've got those custom audiences built based on smart lists, you can take someone from the lead list, try to get them onto the MQL list by showing them a specific ebook or a specific webinar that you're running. I think that has a lot of potential for specific agencies, especially if you tie it with the technology thing that Ethan's doing. But also it can be a diversification for you when you come to your clients because I think having something in play like that will help you show an ROI faster because it takes so much work to get an organic visitor onto your site. If you go back to the episode that we did with Michael Redman, you can just see how much effort they put into figuring out what keywords they want to go after, building campaigns for it, and then measuring results as they go. Once you've earned all of that organic traffic and you maybe get a lead, um, you get some of that traffic to convert, getting them back and moving them down the funnel is a challenge and optimizing that funnel is a challenge. And so 
Ethan got me excited because these tools can help us as inbound marketers do a better job of servicing personalized content through paid channels to leads that we earned in an organic inbound way. Absolutely. And it sounds really nerdy and a little bit complicated when you start talking about all these different specific lists that you've got inside of HubSpot and how you're moving information in and out of different tools and targeting people. But it's it's a big deal for your customers and it could mean a ton of uh, revenue or or lost revenue um, if you're not implementing that stuff or at least looking at all the possibilities out there. And I think that it's easy, um, and maybe this is just kind of my, me personally, but I think it can be easy sometimes to just look at paid channels and say, no, I do things organically. And we've we've played around with some paid stuff in the past, but but very little. Most of what we've done has been through organic growth. And I think that we could have accelerated a lot of the journey um, by figuring out some of the paid stuff earlier. So that's something that we definitely want to definitely want to dig into more. Yeah. I think another point that he brought up was his obsession with conversion rates. And I thought that there was a lot of good stuff in that quest. And it's the e-commerce application seems really neat because you can really analyze a funnel almost from a sterile perspective because you don't have to factor in this idea of a sales team and different interactions there. But also it's a little bit more complicated because you don't have a person touching base at each of those different phases. So the fact that you could analyze every phase of that, um, that buying funnel and, um, we'll talk more about Hub Shopley in the future. I'm assuming here in this recap, but how cool it is that they can measure using that application that they built to track lead activity through the cart, figure out who's abandoning and that kind of stuff. But that obsession over, over conversion rates reminded me a little bit about what Eric Pratt was talking about in last week's episode about how you need to set smart goals for your clients and you need to hold those marketers accountable to those goals. Well, obsessing over the conversion rates you have and optimizing the work that you create for your clients, I think is only going to help you deliver a higher return on investment for the client and showcase your value over the long term. So it's easy for me to get obsessed with creation and planning for the future, but forget about circling back and optimizing. And I think Ethan's obsession there is really healthy because we can go back and tweak and improve and really boost a lot of different things by focusing on, say, increasing the conversion rate by 1% or something small like that. Yeah, absolutely. And Ethan talks, too, about how e-commerce is kind of everywhere. Everything is e-commerce. Either I think uh, his point was most people think of e-commerce or a lot of people think of e-commerce as your shopping cart type of setup where you can actually make the purchase right on the website but really everyone is buying something they may just not complete they may just not close the transaction uh through your shopping cart they may need to talk to someone but it's either kind of the lead generation side or it's the shopping cart setup and so conversion rates are huge for both of those and it's important to tie if it is on the lead gen side where you're generating leads for a sales team it is important to understand what the what the dollar implications of that are, and then the conversion rates kind of become more important and uh, an easier KPI to look at with the client. Hopefully easier if you're doing your job well, but easier easier just meaning uh, something that's a little bit more unifying that everyone can agree on what this actually means tangibly to the business. Yeah, I agree with that. And standardizing that into your process, like when you're checking in with clients would be really helpful as well. When When Ethan talked about how they found the e-commerce niche. What did you think about that journey and how they, how Groove wound up really specializing in that space? Yeah, Ethan's story was cool. And, and what that reminded me of when he mentioned, uh, I think what he said was, 
e-commerce became the niche for Groove. And that just instantly in my mind reminded me of your conversation with Michael Redman from a couple weeks ago where Michael talked about uh, some, he kind of said like so many people are trying to figure out how to choose your niche and their journey was more of discovering their niche and figuring out, okay, where are we a good fit? Um, we've worked in some different places and what makes the most sense for us. And so Ethan and Groove, it sounds like kind of went through the same journey of um, finding their sweet spot, but not necessarily from the get-go saying, hey, we are, it wasn't that they were e-commerce exclusively, um, but it's just that that became the sweet spot for them and something that they really thrive in. Yeah, that was really, really cool. And I spent a little bit of time drooling over their office pictures too, Gray. They look pretty sweet. Isn't that sweet? That's an awesome office. Yeah. I love how they took an old an old building and rehabbed it. So if you guys haven't yet, head over to the show notes at doinbound.com slash podcast. And I threw a link in there to the Groove office photos. I think you're going to love it. Um, they've invested a lot of time there. Oh, and I thought it was cool how they talked about um, that office really helping boost their local client base. That was I never thought about the... Uh, the investment you make in your office, you really think about it more from a cultural perspective. How does it help my team? But it really helps boost sales and awareness as well. For sure. And it's a, and it's a place where they can host. He talked about hosting the hug event and I mean, the number of guests who have been on who unprompted have started going off about uh hubspot user groups, or that's something that they are really passionate about um, is incredible. But I know that they have a strong hug group. That's repetitive to say hug group. They have a strong HubSpot user group. They have a strong hug. We'd say it either way. They have a strong <laughs> hug in uh, in Baltimore there, and um, that's a uh, you know that facility is something that is a great place to bring people into and set the tone for the community to come together there. I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time today, listening to this episode. If you found any of this insightful, Gray and I would really appreciate a review on iTunes. So head over to iTunes, search in Agency Journey, leave your thoughts there on what you think of the podcast. If you have any tips, recommendations, anything that you would like us to add to the show, anything like that, thoughts, Gray and I can always be reached on Twitter. Gray is at S. Gray McKenzie. I am at Andrew J. Demsky. And until next time, have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.